Welcome to How High Can You Jump? My name is Carter May and I'm a 17-year-old high school junior. Over the past few years, adults have asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? Pretty straightforward question that should be easy to answer, right? Well, it's not. At least it's not for most high schoolers. As it turns out, I've given it some thought and I do have an idea of what I want for my future and ultimately what I'll do when I grow up. So I'm on a mission to learn more. Join me as I have conversations with people whom I respect and admire, am inspired by, and am genuinely interested in learning more about their professional life story. We'll talk about what they studied in college, the twists and turns of their career path, and what they're doing today. I hope their stories inspire you so you have more confidence in answering the age-old question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Hey listeners, Carter May here. Today we have Andy Kelm with us. Andy is a managing partner at Palomares Advisors in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're at Andy's home today uh, on the peninsula in Silicon Valley. So, hey Andy, how are you doing today? Great. Good, good, good. It's great to have you on the podcast. I'm really eager to uh, learn more, a little bit about your professional experience and uh, how you've become so successful. So, you ready to get started? Absolutely. All right, so here we go. So first, I kind of want to delve deep into some of the people who are listening on here today and uh, how your story kind of correlates with us. So um, I'm just wondering, what did you want to be when you uh, were in high school? Like what career kind of did you want to pursue a little bit more? It's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I really knew in high school. Okay. I think um, towards maybe towards the end of high school. Mm -hmm. um, my dad helped me. My dad had um, uh, taught at a local college for a while, and, okay. and he helped me talk to some different counselors. And, yeah. and so I think by the end, I realized I wanted to be an engineer, yeah. but it was a, a late realization. Okay, cool. So your dad was definitely a big influence in your decision when it came to that kind of stuff? Yeah, not so much that he personally guided me towards that, but mm-hmm. that he opened doors for me to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we, we all talk about like our parents being our influences, peers, counselors, teachers. Did you have like a certain counselor or teacher that was really influential to, to you as a, as a high schooler? No. Okay. Kind of, kind of self-guided thing. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, certainly there were teachers along the way that I loved that were helpful, probably yeah. more helpful to me in my faith okay. than, than, you know, where I went professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That's super cool. Um, I'm kind of wondering, so as we kind of bring it back to some colleges, um, you know, the, the college experience these days in college, uh, like how we drive into going to college, it's, it's a lot different. I mean, I'm, I'm applying personally to like 16 colleges, categorizing them in three different things. You know, it's all this stuff, how your counselor guides you, stuff like that. So I'm really wondering, uh, and I'm guessing my, my listeners are super curious on how, uh, it was different and how you were applying to colleges. Yeah, like we were talking about before, it yeah. was, was quite different in that time and that place. Our own family circumstances were that um, we we had very low money. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, and I had had some interest in some different schools, but um, uh, a scholarship was was made available to me um, because of my grades in high school mm-hmm. at the University of Wisconsin. Okay, and great, it yeah. was sort of it was very clear to the family that I yeah. should take that. Okay. <laughs> that yeah, I yeah. should do that. So that's the only place I applied. No, of course. Any yeah. right-minded person yeah. would. Um, yeah. 
And then I know that but you... But it was something, just okay. to add to that. So um, I knew Madison pretty well. We had lived yeah. there for a while. Um, my dad actually was a campus pastor on the campus. Okay. So I was pretty familiar with the university and, and just enjoyed it a lot. So for me, it was a bit of a homecoming. So it, it wasn't like a... I wasn't sad to be going there. It yes. Was, it was a good fit all the way around. Very, very cool. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, so I know you were an undergrad in electrical engineering, which is super, super cool. Um, and I kind of want you to tell me a little bit more about how you bridged that electrical engineering major over to uh, your business route after that mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I was a, an electrical and computer engineering uh, undergrad. I, my first job out of college um, was to work at Intel on a rotational program. Yeah. It was a it was a great program because they let you, you, you had three jobs in your first year all around the company in different roles. Mm -hmm. um, one was in chip design. One, I was writing software. I don't even remember what the third one was. Oh, it was in, in production. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I had fun in all of those. And then I, I took a role on a, uh, a major new microprocessor. Okay. I was one of maybe four or 500 engineers on the project. Oh, great. And it was, um, just my, it was, it was cool to work on something so large, but at the same time, you know, I was one of four or 500, yeah. right? <laughs> and I found along the way that I was in my spare time, I had subscribed to Business Week because I found that more interesting. Yeah. And so I, I realized maybe I should listen to that. And so I applied to business school. Okay. Super um, cool. So after a couple of years of that, I, I went back to school. Yeah. And I mean, got your MBA at Haas, so absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, how did you figure out uh, the path that you kind of wanted to take in business? You know, there's there's so many different areas that you can go into, whether it's finance, economics, mm. business marketing, all this kind of different sectors of business, as we call it. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, how did you kind of figure out that path that you wanted to take? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and people really go to business school and as a pivot point in their career. People really do, they make right turns and left turns and they, they go all over. For me, it wasn't like that. I, I loved and loved technology. It, it wasn't, I wasn't going back to school to escape technology. I love products. Yeah. I just wanted to have more impact on the direction they were going. Of course. Not just the implementation. Mm -hmm. And so product management was a natural way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so coming out of business school, I went right back into semiconductors um, and, uh, I had done an internship in the middle of my, um, uh, in the middle of my business school, uh, time, um, that summer I went to a startup that was building, uh, Intel compatible yeah. CPUs. It went okay. belly up. Okay. Um, they had made a horrible choice, a horrible technology choice. <laughs> yeah. It of didn't course, yeah. pan out. Um, but I followed, uh, I met a great guy there and I followed him to another company after business school. So it was. Very cool. You know, you'll find that in your your work life that it's a natural flowing, you know, sort of like a, a river bends around a corner, but yeah. it's a continuous stream, you know. <laughs> yeah, took the opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then another question we have now is, uh, what were some of like kind of the challenges that you faced when you were growing from some of your earlier years uh, in business from your kind of more technical days into uh, that more general manager area of business? Like what were what were some of those challenges that you kind of faced? Do you want to pause so the dog goes away? It's all good. He's okay. doing. It's all good. It's it's a it's a part of the stitch. <laughs> Hope's on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, challenges. You know, 
in in technology there are I mean you might know this from from living around here but lots of startups you know go belly up and and don't pan out and, yeah. and that happens at big companies too uh-huh. um, they you know make a decision and change their minds you know very often and so um, any kind of job and and technology around here you're just going to be faced with lots of sudden sort of shifts in yeah whatever the direction yeah. of the business uh-huh. you know um, and and so navigating that can be tough because yeah. it can be unexpected okay um, yeah 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 I, I don't know it's a lot of stuff we could talk yeah. about from here I guess yeah Maybe. I mean those challenges can they come from all different areas and it's very sometimes random but also yeah there's yeah yeah there's lots of challenges along the way in, in terms of what do you want to do next. Um, sometimes those you're forced to make choices at a time when you didn't expect to. Yeah. Um, and so you just sort of have to, you know, take stock and and go knock on a bunch of doors again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and then another, another deep question is, uh, how did you ultimately kind of prepare yourself to become that general manager? general manager at both Nokia and Amazon with one of the biggest organizations in the world. I mean, it's a little bit misleading of a question because there's so much you can prepare with somebody just kind of giving you a job. But uh, how did you kind of prepare yourself to be in that general manager position from maybe some of the past experience as well? Yeah. I mean, in your work life, you'll, you know, you progressively gain more experience, right? Mm -hmm. I think for me, so I had a, a... a non-traditional path in that from product management, I went into corporate development. Mm-hmm. Um, corporate development uh, are the folks that primarily do, um, you know, mergers and acquisitions. And yeah. so it was a time at Nokia when uh, we were getting into a bunch of new areas mm-hmm. as a business, you know, growing from just making phones to building services around them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that was not a native, software was not a native skill really at it at Nokia. Yeah. So we had to do a lot of MA. And so I had a chance to be a part of a lot of efforts. Yeah. Evaluate a lot of companies. A lot um, of new stuff. Yeah. And then help the company build strategy for what to do with. So, you know, if you, you work on a uh, a strategy and a deal project for a year, you become very um yeah, you're well versed in what the company wants out of it. So I was a natural person to help them run the business after it was acquired. Of course. And so that that was what I think prepared me um, okay. to yeah. take on those roles. Very yeah. cool. Um, I mean, with with all kind of work areas, I mean, you kind of see that a lot of people end up having a mentor that kind of path them mm. to that area. Uh, there's not a specific answer that I'm looking for for this question, but it's more kind of... Uh, who really guided that path for you? Who was your, who was your mentor? Not specifically in the business, but it can be a parent, anything outside of the business that really kind of got your head on straight with uh, taking charge with this new role. Hmm. That's a tough question. Yeah, I didn't have a single one. Um, a lot of my career growing up years were at Nokia. Mm-hmm. I was there for much too long. Um, but it was a very international organization. Okay. So I think in succession, I worked for a guy based in Finland, a guy based in France, a guy based in Germany, and a guy based in Italy. Yeah. So it was a lot of, it, there was never anyone 
close to yeah. <laughs> really. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, you know? Well, just in, in terms of mentoring and okay. guiding. So, um, you know, one of the, but along the way, I met a, a, a gentleman named Clyde, yeah. um, who is now my partner at okay. Palmieri's and yeah, who started yeah. the firm. Um, he certainly was helpful in parts of that journey. Yeah. Um, and someone I kept in close touch with. Yeah. And yeah. you met him at, at Nokia? Yeah. Okay. Super yeah. cool. Um, I think a huge question that we have now, uh, the listeners probably as well, is what are some of the main kind of skills uh, that it takes to become one of these effective and, and really valued business leaders in, in the field today? I mean, you having both of those massive roles, the, the skills are clearly evident. So I think uh, if you could share some skills that really help you become effective. You know, I think always wanting to learn okay. um, is really important. Yeah, um, of course. Being curious, you know, um, you know, I, I think seeing around the corner a little bit for what people need and what they're going to need to know and, and sort of having a sense for what to do before you're told. Okay. Yeah. To do something is helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, when people learn they can rely on you. Yeah. Following through on your word. Yeah. You know, of course, absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, being responsive and hardworking, is, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's not a lot of deep insight there. It's the basic. Yeah. Tools, it's right? just the stuff, you know, yeah. you put it out there and yeah. people can yeah. do it or don't do it. So, and I think find the thing that, that you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, if you're personally very interested, invested in an area that will come through and mm-hmm. you'll naturally know it better. You'll naturally work harder at it. Yeah. Um, you'll naturally be more valued there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I really think letting your interests guide you is, is super important. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and I mean, yeah, all those skills will definitely come in handy down the road. But uh, another one that may piggyback off of this. Yes. Continue. I, maybe one thing to add to that is collecting a variety of experiences. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a variety of perspectives, you know, so that you're, you know, if your background is more diverse and, and you can better synthesize from varied experiences, you'll be more valuable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, this next question probably piggybacks off of the skills question, but, uh, maybe if you could share a few, uh, values that you've, that you've seen really help you, uh, lead some of these big organizations and, and especially teams. Because we really see like, uh, I mean, I'm wondering as well, if some of these values have, have made you feel like you are, um, a, a better, more valued person and how it makes you feel more likable in the workplace, stuff like that. Because I've heard stories forever about, um, I mean, my mom has told me tons of stories about things that have happened in the workplace where, you know, these big executives will, they can do stuff and they can get stuff done, but sometimes maybe their, their teams don't like them as much. So mm-hmm. do you think some of these values are, um, really help you become a likable person and create these relationships within the workplace? That's a good question. Um, a lot of the organizations that you will work for will have their own culture and values, mm-hmm. and some will do a better job than others of expressing those and 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 building those. And so, um, this isn't really where you wanted the question to go, but I think it's it's an interesting tangent. Yeah. Um, 
finding an organization whose values resonate with your own is important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the, there are certainly, there are organizations that are, that value getting things done more than how they get done. Mm -hmm. And that may or may not be a good fit for you. So sometimes you'll see people who are, who are great and amazing, but are just not the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their personal values don't align well with the corporate ones. So, mm -hmm. so aligning those is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's just people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think I learned this probably later than I should have. Mm -hmm. um, but, but paying attention to the people around you, what they're good at, where they want to go and helping align that with what you need for the business mm -hmm. goes a really long ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, your faith will help you a lot there. Yeah. Right. Like, of course, you know, people can tell if you're genuinely interested in them yeah. and, and outcomes for them and mm -hmm. that's everything. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe here we go with a, maybe a question that's a little easier to answer. Um, so when you were a general manager, I'm wondering a little bit of what your kind of day-to-day looked like and stuff like that. Like, what were you, what were you doing? What were some of the things that you were trying to solve? Stuff like that. Was it more kind of team-based things figuring out rather than more technical stuff or what kind of worked there? Yeah. I mean, uh, each of the, roles are a little bit different so you know at, at at amazon that was a very technical role um amazon web services at the end of the day is an operations business yeah and you know it lives or dies for its customers on whether or not the services work reliably mm -hmm. and, and so in that role i spent a lot of time with teams setting goals following up on how we were doing relative to those goals. Of course, yeah. Um, when there are problems going deep into you know, why are those problems there? And um, so there's, you know, that was a very operationally heavy role. Any kind of general management job, you know, the, what made it fun for me is you're spending time with lots of different functions. You yeah. know, one day you're spending time with marketing and, um, and communications and PR. One day you're spending time with the engineers. Um, you know, one, one day you're spending time with sales and customers and, and so, you know, and, and then there's always lots of time with management, yeah. um, you know, trying to sell, you know, new business plans, new product plans, mm -hmm. um, reporting back on how things are going, mm -hmm. um, lots of time with HR, yeah. um, HR. you know, reviewing people and, and, you know, succession planning and all of that. So it really, um, Yeah. I don't know. There isn't a typical day. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's, it's all kind of different. It's, it's really varied. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, from all that, we kind of, we think about, um, how is this general manager role, uh, similar or different to what you were doing kind of late, kind of earlier in the stages of your, of your career, more, the more technical stuff. So, uh, how did the general manager role differ from a day-to-day -day as a non-executive or something along those lines? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, as an engineer, you, you principally have, you know, a job to build a product, yeah. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and to ship it. And so, 
the stuff you work on day to day, you know, whether it's design and architecture or implementation or testing, um, you know, it's, it's all within a fairly narrow technical scope. Yeah. Um, general management just has a, a, a broader mandate. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think I lost the question there, yeah. but I, I think, uh, just doing a lot more. Yeah. As a general manager. Yeah. 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 And, and the things that opened the doors for me there were, you know, between business school and, and my time in corporate development, I just had a lot more exposure to okay. those other functions and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how they should run and how they should support the, you know, the underlying business. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, here we go. I mean, you've made another pivot and you're a, you're a managing partner at an investment banking firm now. Hmm. So just run me down a little bit on how did this happen? Coming from such a big organization, you know, that's a deeply personal question. It yeah. probably doesn't seem like it. Um, so, as I said, I had spent time uh, in corporate development doing yeah. M and had done a few deals. Okay, um, and I really liked the process. Actually, I liked the. I don't know if I could really articulate it, but I, I really liked working with the different teams and trying to figure out how two organizations could come together and yeah. Um, and build off each other's strengths. Uh Um, my, my mentor and friend Clyde had started this firm, um, at Amazon. I was enjoying what I was doing, but it was fairly intense. Yeah. Uh, the job was in Seattle and LA and I lived here. So every week of the year I got on a plane and, um, that had been after 10 years of extensive travel in Nokia. Um, it's just my, strange. My kids were at an age where, you know, it was impacting them a bit. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, my brother had cancer at that yeah. time. My father-in-law had cancer at that time. And, and there was a questioning of, you know, what am I chasing and, and what am I doing? Yeah. Um, I trusted Clyde an enormous amount. We had been talking about it for actually years. Yeah. So it wasn't a new sudden thing. It was, um, it was something I had been thinking about for a long time. And um, it, it was a fairly big leap of faith. But uh, after some prayer and, yeah. and support from Amy, it just felt like uh, it was a good change to make and something to try. Yeah. I didn't think of it at the time as such a significant pivot. Mm-hmm. I thought of it as an evolution. Yeah. I think now after seven years, it's probably... yeah you know, paid off a more, well, yeah. But I think it's a more significant pivot now of in course. hindsight. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we see the, we see the motivation on why that yeah. change was made. Um, uh, I'm wondering how some of these past, uh, experiences you've, you've answered this a little bit, but some of these past experiences, uh, maybe not so much of being a general manager, but just the values that comes with it, uh, has kind of bridged over to now you being, uh, having this role at this investment banking firm, how do you, how, how have they kind of correlated with what you do now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's actually uh, core to the value of what we do at Palmieri's. Yeah. Um, so uh, we principally work with startups mm-hmm. uh, that are going through a sales process. Okay. So these are, they're small teams, they're lean teams. Um, and having uh an advisor who has sat on the other side of the table, who's operated businesses, who's bought businesses, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, is really helpful to the sell side because it just gives them insight that they might not, not, might not otherwise have. Yeah. Um, you know, I had been through the process enough times that I understood it pretty well. Yeah. So that wasn't such a big pivot. It, and, but it was really, you know, if you, if you read more about our firm, you know, that's, that's how we differentiate. Yeah. You know, we aren't career finance people. Um, you know, we grew up operating businesses and, and so we just have a different perspective yeah. for our clients different that, that I think point. is helpful. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to ask the question again, what, uh, what does your day-to-day, uh, kind of look like now more mm-hmm. as, uh, within this investment banking firm, is it, uh, taking a load off of work a little bit so you can have more time with your family and stuff like that. And I mean, even a little bit less on a personal level, but just more, what does, what does your day-to-day look like on, at this investment banking firm? I mean, I don't get on planes every week. Anymore, okay. Yeah. So that, <laughs> there we go. that, that definitely a is a big change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it depends on, uh, so an M&A project has lots of different phases. Um, you know, there's, there's an early part where you're, um, meeting, um, meeting new clients. Um, there's a phase where you're actively talking to buyers, trying to fight the, find the right fit. Yeah. There's a part where you're negotiating heavily, okay. trying to get all stakeholders to find common ground for a deal. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part where you're, you know, you're trying to get a deal closed and, yeah. you know, so there's, there, there's a definitely a life cycle to a deal yeah. and, and you can be in all parts of that life cycle at once. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So Andy, here we come to the portion of the interview where we have what we call our lightning round. It's a little bit uh, ambiguous with the with the name lightning, but uh, we have five questions um, and you just answer them as, as fast as possible. Okay. Um, so the first one is, uh, what was your nickname in high school or college? Or did you have one? Here we go. Didn't have one. Okay. Andy. Okay, cool. <laughs> Andy. So the second one we have is what social media app do you use the most and why? Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Um, I just, it's a great way to follow what's happening. Of course. Yeah. News app. Okay. Yeah. Um, third. But not just that, like just what's happening in venture or in different technology fields. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Interesting way to get kind of some knowledge yeah. from that. Okay. Uh, Another one is, were you involved in any Greek life, sports? What kind of extracurriculars were you uh, involved in in college? Uh, no Greek life. Okay. Um, uh, I raced in triathlons. Okay. It was very slow, but that was my <laughs> hobby. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then who, here, here's a fun one. Who's the most famous person you've met? I sat next to Russell Wilson on a plane once. Very fun. Fun story. I yeah. texted Jackson yeah. and uh, we had, I have to find the text stream, but we went back and forth about 10 times whether or not I'd ask him for his autograph. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I did. And he signed it and and put a Bible passage on it. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. What Bible passage? First Corinthians 13. I forget the specific cool. verse. Were you going to Seattle? I was. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Russell Wilson is a Wisconsin grad. Oh, okay. So. Good yeah. to know. Uh, and then the last question we have here is what class or teacher influenced you the most in high school? I know you already kind of touched about how not a lot of uh, teachers, but. Yeah, probably Mr. Lawrence, okay. one of the math teachers. He got me into math track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elaborate so. a little bit about that more. No, just he, he, he made math interesting. Okay. Um, and I think without that, I probably wouldn't have considered engineering. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. So 
you you passed the lightning round. There we go. All right. Um, so what we have here, uh, we call it our kind of trademark question here on how high mm. can you jump. Um, it's so basically knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 17 year old self? Mm. This is a really good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, at 17, there's different, different set of lessons yeah, than later, definitely, right? Definitely. Um, I think it's really, you know, what would you tell your 17 year old self heading into college? Yeah. Um, I think my advice would be, it's not, it's my advice to myself, okay. not to you, yes, right? To, you, to yourself. To myself. I think it would be to try more things. Yeah. Um, to use, it's a really exciting time in your life to meet lots of people and try lots of things mm -hmm. and to do more of that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so that's the podcast. Thank you again, Andy, so much for your time and, uh, sharing your experience with me and of course my listeners as well. Glad to be with you, Carter. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us today on How High Can You Jump? We hope you enjoyed this insightful conversation as much as we did. If you found value in today's episode, please consider subscribing or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find our video versions on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Can't wait to see you next time on How High Can You Jump?